Hey everybody, welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And Shannon is not here, but we have... Mom here. Yay! That's right, that's her legal name. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for joining us, Mom. Glad to have you back. Sure, nice to be back. Shannon's really busy with some end-of-school-year stuff, uh, and so she wasn't able to join this week. But yeah, Mom, I'm glad you could jump in, and and I think this topic will work really well for you. But before we get to that, I do have one email I want to read. It is from, our, of course, our good friend Catherine. Catherine, always good to hear from you. She wrote in about her favorite PC games. She says, hi, favorite show friends. I played a lot of PC games as a kid, so all my favorites are from the mid-'80s and late-'90s. Probably my absolute favorite PC game is Oregon Trail. I played so many different versions of this game, from the old school version that was all in green to a modern CD-ROM version with great graphics and more interactive gameplay. I didn't know that existed. That's cool. Wow, modern CD-ROM. I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just love this game. It's challenging, slightly educational, and a great way to pass the time. I like that. Another favorite of mine was a game called Number Munchers. It was a math game, and you had these cute little monster guys that like to eat numbers. There would be a theme to each round, like prime numbers, and you would have to take your monster guy around to eat all the prime numbers. Cool. And the last one I wanted to shout out is a game that probably nobody remembers but me and maybe my friend Sarah, because we played it together a lot, called <laughs> Hugo's House of Horrors. <laughs> it was a puzzle game. You played as Hugo, and you had to go around and investigate and talk to people to try to solve the mystery of the House of Horrors and rescue your girlfriend, Penelope. There was also a fun game in the series called Jungle of Doom. <laughs> Sounds great. Wow. Thanks for another terrific episode. Can't wait for next week. Catherine. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look up on, on YouTube or Twitch or something, see if anybody's playing these games. I want to I want to check them out. Those sound great. Awesome. What's funny is, even as you read that email from Catherine, I, it reminded me of other games that I just, I don't even remember the name of. For some reason, they were installed on school computer lab computers. Like there was this one where you go into a carnival and you play a game and there's like a chubby face and two normal faces and then it opens up <laughs> and you jump in and like you go into this spiral alternate universe or something. And that's all I remember. Like, so anyway, <laughs> some of those school games are out there. That's true. Yeah. And you know, the other thing it reminded me of that I forgot to talk about do you remember the Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis video game? Oh, yeah. We had that on our Mac when we were kids, too. I forgot all about that until just now when you were talking about, like, asking people questions and trying to solve the mystery. I was like, that's totally what this Indiana Jones game was like, too. So that's funny. Way to, way to jog our memories, Catherine. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, do we have any other updates before we jump into this week's topic? Nope. Anything you want to say, Mom? <laughs> I thought I remember Oregon Trail from... The fourth graders at my elementary school. So that's interesting. She said somewhat educational, but... (laughs) Are they still playing it? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's been a few years ago. I only learned the name of a few diseases and a lot of ways of how to die crossing the plains. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that should be required curriculum, even for kids in school nowadays. (laughs) Like every computer lab, like now they're learning like all kinds of crazy stuff, but you have to have Oregon Trail too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Well, let's get on with this week's topic. We were up for a TV topic. So this week we're going to talk about our favorite reality TV series. I pulled up the uh, Wikipedia article about reality television. So I'm going to read a little bit of it here. It says, reality television is a genre of TV programming that documents purportedly unscripted real-life situations. 
often starring unfamiliar people rather than professional actors. Reality television emerged as a distinct genre in the early 90s with shows such as The Real World, then achieved prominence in the early 2000s with the success of the series Survivor and Big Brother. Reality shows often are interspersed with confessionals, which are short interview segments in which the cast member reflects on or provides context for the events being depicted on screen. Competition-based reality shows typically feature gradual elimination of participants, either by a panel of judges, by the viewership of the show, or by contestants themselves. There's actually, uh, according to this article, there's a wide range of, of what qualifies as reality. The only things it really defines, it says documentaries and TV news and late night talk shows are generally not called reality. But beyond that, there's pretty a pretty wide range and actually a lot of subgenres that change every few years. Somebody does a, a study <laughs> and says, all right, here's the subgenres of reality. If in, in the uh, Wikipedia article, there's like, in 2006, a study proposed six subgenres. In 2007, they proposed five. In 2009, they proposed eight. So it's like, <laughs> they, nobody knows. It's, so it's, nobody it's knows. <laughs> pretty open to interpretation, I would say. There's a wide range of things that qualify as reality. But I think, yeah, the basic idea is that it is generally unscripted. It generally follows people who are not actors. They're just like regular people. And and then they put them in sometimes crazy situations and see what happens. But anyway, this was fun a fun one to think about because it's been on our list for a while. And I actually was thinking, I don't watch a lot of reality. But then as I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, there are a few that really stand out to me that are fun shows that I think qualify as reality. So, uh, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Sean, you want to kick it off for us? Yeah, sure thing. And I'll be the first to say I, 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 I had a, a little stint during college that I, I worked at a post-production studio. So no, nowhere near the, the experience or professional level, I think, that you've done, Aaron, or our other brother. But I do remember working on one reality show and being both, I don't know, intrigued and in some ways disappointed, but then excited again, because the way it was, it came together is things weren't scripted, but Things weren't necessarily scripted as far as what to say, but they portrayed what seemed like weeks or a month-long journey in a one-day shoot. And so, so I'll be the first to say that that maybe maybe I, I don't know how much magic is in every one of these, but I didn't really want to dig deeper because the ones that are my favorites still have that magic for me. So, <laughs> so I'm just gonna dive right in. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. The first one for me is good old Duck Dynasty. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it's just <laughs> don't forget how much you love that. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, ran from 2012 to 2017 on A and E. Went for 11 seasons. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you've likely, if you look it up, you'd recognize it. It follows the Robertson family. It's uh, it's a family. It lives in West Monroe, Louisiana, and they started a company. The dad, Phil, started this company, Duck Commander, and making duck calls. And it grew over time to selling merch and other things. But, but that's not really what the show is about. It's just about, I don't know, self-proclaimed rednecks, I suppose. And they just do really silly things. It shows them some at work, but some of the things I really love are when they're old and a little bit crazy uncle Cy handcuffs himself to Willie, who's the, the boss of the company, and they can't get him un, uh, them, them undone. And so they go on this crazy adventure and, you know, Uncle Cy has to go to the restroom and stuff like that. They're just handcuffed. Um, <laughs> or, or where they... 
one of them, one of the younger Robertsons who who likes to golf, talked about all these giant bullfrogs they saw in the pond on the golf course. So they sneak onto this golf course in the middle of the night to catch some frogs to 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 fry them up, and they get caught by the police. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it just oh, it's so boy. funny, and they're they're very well off financially, and it's just. It's super silly, but that is one of those shows that just makes me smile whenever I watch it. It's so funny. Yeah, I I haven't watched a lot, but I I feel like that's one of those shows that even though I don't I haven't watched full episodes, I see lots of clips of it online. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially when it was kind of at the height of its popularity, you'd see little clips on on YouTube or or, or social media or whatever, and yeah, just they cracked me up. These guys were so funny. <laughs> Because again, it's you. You're totally right. Like they've they've made a ton of money. Like they're very financially, you know, secure with with their their company and everything. But they're just the most redneck. <laughs> I love yeah, it. It's so that's fun. That's the word I would say. Oh, I love it. It's so funny though. I, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they seem pretty down to earth. That was actually the first weekend, three day weekend trip that uh, we made after my oldest was born just to see how it would go. And so we went to West Monroe, Louisiana, uh, just drove out there when we lived in Texas, and we, we toured the duck the duck shop. And we actually met somebody, one of the, the minor characters on the show, and he just was, he was like there working, just doing his thing. <laughs> and we were like, hey, can we take a picture? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. You know, and so we got this picture of this, <laughs> you know. I kind of anyway. like this idea that like the, the money didn't change them. Like even though they're all very successful and stuff, like like this whole like sneaking on to catch these frogs or whatever. Like that's, that's what they would just do anyway. It doesn't matter if they've got money or not. Like that's just what they like to do. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Mom, do you want to go next or should I, should I jump in? You go ahead, Aaron. Okay. The first one I wanted to talk about is probably, Sean, might, might be on your list as well, is a real good show called Iron Chef. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Iron Chef was so good. And I remember watching, uh, there There was Iron Chef America, the, the the American version that was on Cooking Network or whatever. But I, I also have a lot of fond memories of watching the original Japanese Iron Chef was where the, where yeah. the show started. It also was on, back. It was, wasn't it was at Cooking Network before it was Food Network, I think? Uh, I but know. Iron Chef, yeah, it was a Japanese reality or it was a, it was like competition show. So it was, it was real chefs, uh, you know, making real food, but it was this competition show. And the thing that was so funny about Iron Chef chef is that it was so over the top dramatic <laughs> yes. which of course the music the lights. and he was a meanie <laughs> well even the american version like they tried to stay, stay true to that japanese like i mean mm. japanese game shows have a reputation already for being like really out there sometimes but like if look up on youtube or look up some of these original iron chef episodes it's so dramatic like the music is like you know drums and beating and like they right. they show the the over overall view of kitchen stadium where these where these food battles take place and there's like fire torches and like dramatic lighting it's it's so over the top and so much the reveal of the secret ingredient and yes <laughs> exactly so the premise of the show if you haven't seen it is that there are these handful of iron chefs that are like the the in-house chefs that are like the masters and every episode there's a chef a real world chef that 
that comes in and challenges one of these iron chefs to a cook-off. Uh, they they get an hour to make a dish or, or to make, I, I think typically it's like three dishes. It, it depends on the episode and depends on the, the ingredient. But they reveal the secret ingredient that has to be used in each dish and featured prominently, not like, you know, if the, if the featured right. ingredient is onion, it can't just be like, well, I made this whatever and there's onion in it. Like it has to be the feature of the of the dish and it's always a surprise there's uh, especially in the japanese the original version it was a lot of you know seafood um and in a lot of times a lot of like extravagant like really exotic foods in the american version it, it tended to be a little more standard stuff but it still was like the chefs didn't know exactly what to make and they're like they reveal the secret ingredient and then the the main host guy is always like hola cuisine and then they start <laughs> and, like it, there's not like they have time to go plan like they see the ingredient and then go but it was such it was such a fun show to watch, and it was really cool to see them like whipping up these things and like trying to make something in under an hour. And of course, they're like master chefs, so they make these amazing things. But I just I just love the drama of it all. Yes. It was so intense. It was so like life and death stakes of sort of sort of vibe to it, even though it's a it was a cooking thing. But yeah, that was such a fun show. And in, and in fact, it actually uh, it was so popular for a while. There have been spinoffs in several different countries. The show, the original Japanese one, did 300 and some odd episodes. Uh, wow. The American version is still going. It had uh, or is, is still going in, in, you know, kind of will do a couple seasons and then quit and come back for another season or two. And it spawned a lot of different cultural things. Uh, there was an SNL sketch about it. There was even a Futurama episode that was all about <laughs> Bender being a, a literal iron chef because he's a robot (laughs) it's it's just great what a good show (laughs) wow that's fun well i was gonna say there are a lot of baking shows and there's one that dad and i discovered a couple years ago that's really funny i think you have to do something clever and creative to make your show a success but i don't know did you ever watch baking it no i've heard of that but i never did see it Amy Poehler, I think, uh, and Maya Rudolph. So it starts the season with, I don't know, there there were eight to ten pairs. Some of them were friends. Some of them were husband-wife. There was a daughter-mother. So they have these teams, and then each week they give them, you know, an assignment of something, like you said, with onion or garlic or something like that. And what makes this show, first of all, those two are, are hilarious, the hosts, you know, and so they're really funny. But at the end, they're not the ones that taste the food and judge they have these four grannies and they have and, and the gra- and the grannies are like sitting in the corner in rocking chairs with afghans on their legs and everything but these grannies uh one is very opinionated and she had been teaching they all are very qualified they've been teaching cooking classes for years they all have these credentials and so they come along and uh, they're really outspoken the ones like I can't stand this, you know, you've ruined it. And so, and that is the funniest part of all is watching those, you know, first the couples work so hard and then you have the comedians, you know, doing silly things in between, but then you have those grannies judging and they do have to send somebody home every week, but they actually, you know, say, come and give granny some love. And so they all give them a big (laughs) hug. And then the winning person gets like this pin, a really awesome pin that goes along with, they pin it on their shirt, you know, that goes along with whatever they have made. And I think, isn't it Amy Poehler that has the making it? She has another show kind of like yeah. that that's craft. But, but yeah, this, her and Nick Offerman yeah, do that but, show together. Yeah. But anyways, they've only had two seasons, and I, I think we watched it on Peacock, but... That was kind of a fun one. That's, That's right. great. I, I like forgotten that. forgotten about that. I've seen an episode or two of that. I think I 
maybe even watched that with Eliza, and she thought it was pretty funny. Just to watch the yeah the, the different families or yeah you know, they are the couples making yeah things. and you can the one thing I like about reality shows is you just get the regular Joe out there, and I mean they they could make something really awesome one week and the next week that flops. You know their cake tips over or some their dough doesn't rise or something and so that's what happens to all of us so that's why i like to see other people succeed and fail yeah that is fun yeah i have one more cooking show i could bring up real quick while we're talking about that stuff and it's the great british bake-off and i know Kristen has those shows memorized she's watches them a lot but i think i've watched about six seasons and they have some really awesome judges they have that paul hollywood and they have noel fielding and I think he must be a comedian because they're hilarious. And so what they'll do, they'll start with just maybe 10 or 12, and they're all just amateur bakers. And then every week they give them three challenges. And one, you know, it's like, for example, it might they have a cake week and a biscuit week, a bread, a pastry. They even had a vegan week. And uh, they have to do three challenges. And then they bring their food up to the table with their photo. The photos are facing them. So the judges don't know who made each one. They taste all of them and, and then they put them in order. And so the last person ends up having to go home. And uh, a lot of these shows, you know, people win money and prizes and everything. And this one is such a strenuous competition. <laughs> and But at the end, I, I think they get a bouquet of flowers and a baking dish, you know, like a glass <laughs> plate or something. But they are just so thrilled. And a couple of things I actually even learned from watching that is one of uh, my Aunt Marjorie used to bring down a bunch of treats and pies and things at Thanksgiving time. And one was a carrot pudding. And I remember thinking, why does she call that pudding? It was really just a cake that she baked in a coffee can and boiled it on the stove in water. And they did something like that. They had a pudding week and everybody made these cakes. And I was like, what? I'm like, oh, that's where the pudding came from. And then they had, they like double boiled it. I wish she was alive today because I'd like to get that recipe. I wonder if it came from our relatives you know, years ago that anyways, but but it's kind of a couple of the things like even with Eileen, our, uh, my granddaughter that is, she's not vegan, but she's vegetarian. But I learned so much. They made these beautiful cakes without even using like butter or, you know, things that had any dairy or anyway. And anyway, so I learned it was educational and sad when somebody had to go home. <laughs> I think they all get attached to each other because they stay in the same place for all these weeks. And then when someone has to go home, they're all like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go. Well, I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> that show first aired in 2010 on BBC. And Kristen said her favorite episode was number five, I think. She said she'd watched it several times. Well, I searched and searched and I can't find episode five, five anywhere. So huh. I'm going to have to maybe buy it or something. Anyways. Yeah, I'll have to ask Kristen. I'm sure she could point us toward it. Yeah. That Kristen, was, where is it? Yeah, Kristen, quick. <laughs> send us a message. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we... Uh, I had a hard time narrowing it down. I didn't think I watched all that many, but I ended up... Most of my... Well, I ended up putting my cooking shows in honorable mentions. And and uh, yeah, anyway, so many good ones out there. Uh, the next one that I want to talk about is a survival show. 
And it's not Survivor, because I actually already talked about Survivor <laughs> some. It's it's a show called Alone. <gasps> oh, oh, do you have that on yours, no, too? No, an honorable mention, but we uh, watched okay. it a season. So I'll, I'll explain the premise of it first, which is basically there are these 10 people who are survivalists by profession, right? They, they uh, are ex-military or trained people off the grid and stuff like that. So they know what they're doing. And they're dropped off in a location, so they may all go to the Arctic Circle, not the restaurant, but you know, like like far up north, and like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just be dropped off there. And they have a limited number of survival items that they're allowed, and they're off of an approved list. So they have their clothes, they'll have things like that, but then they'll also have a tarp and a pot and a bow and arrows, and because they can't have any firearms, they can't have. You know, you could have a knife, you can have flint and steel and things like that. And um, it's just nuts. Uh, they just basically go as long as they can. And they film themselves. They are airdropped a bunch of equipment. And the only contact they have is there's a daily medical check uh, where people will come, weigh them, take their whatever. And But that's it. They're pretty much isolated. And it's pretty wild just how long they can go and the things that they do and the ingenuity and, you know, watching a guy, uh, I, I don't know, there's tiny little shelters and having wolves or bears come come around and start messing with them. And, and how much weight yeah. they lose and oh, how yeah. they're starving at times until they can find some food, you know. Well, and they're so dedicated as well. The season I watched, there was somebody who wanted to keep going, but she had frostbite on several of her toes. And they were like, well, you'd, we'd have to, you know, if you stay out here much longer, you're going to lose part of your foot. And so they you know, like forced her to call it quits, basically. Jeez. And what was the cash prize for those guys? Wasn't it quite a bit? So it started at 500000 And then I think uh, for later seasons, it was a million dollars oh, that they would word. get wow. being the last one out there. Well, one episode, one season I watched, there was a guy that was near the, almost the very end. And I thought for sure he was going to win. He, w- he was just great with everything. But on the, he was getting so lonesome and tired of being yeah. alone. He started writing his family names in, all over the wall inside of his little hut and then pretty soon he was just crying and dreaming and he had to go home just emotional you know emotional reasons so you never know that would be the silence would could drive you crazy i didn't even think about that but that's true yeah well they go for a long time too so the 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 first season i saw that i was talking about they had to stay out there for a hundred days basically no 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 contact with anybody. I think that was the longest one looking on here, but a lot of them are still in the 70, 80 days that they're wow. completely isolated. They have their 10 or whatever survival devices is all it is and trying to keep themselves company and healing themselves through sickness and other things. Wow. Yeah, that was fascinating. There's a spinoff series of Alone called Alone the Beast, and it moves a lot faster, but I will warn you that uh, for anybody listening wanting to look at it, it starts with an animal that has been killed legally and in, in a certain area, and then three people go with zero survival tools at all, and all they have is the animal, and they they survive just using that animal for 30 days. And so wow. they'll they'll use the the teeth and the pelt, and they'll figure out a way to make a fire, even if they're 
you know, in the swamp where one of them is, they basically get dropped off. There's a flare shot up and there's a, a crocodile that was left for them. And they have to, you know, it's very hard. They're finding sharp stones and things like that to be able to clean it and do everything. Wow. But each episode is an entire 30 days for that one, rather than a season mm. being the hundred days. So Anyway, they're not for everybody, for sure. But for me, they give me a little bit of excitement. I know we talked about this with YouTube videos, I think, right? Like I get this little bit of an adrenaline rush just sitting on my couch in my own living room, eating popcorn, Scared right? To death. Of these guys, are like, oh, get out of there! Oh, you know, and you, they see see these eyes show up on the cameras, and oh my word! Anyway, and these wow. are these are tough folks, and and yeah, they go home for a variety of reasons. Whether it's the frostbite, the, the homesickness, guy has too many close encounters with a bear, and he's like, I'm just done. Mm. I can't. You know, I can imagine coming home and not being able to sleep thinking of these bears, you know, right by your feet. That That's what you wake up to. And <laughs> anyway, it's wild. <laughs> wow. Did they get a million dollars? They better. Yeah, if they, if they stay the whole time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, I know a few people who might enjoy this challenge <laughs> thinking like, yeah, I could do that. But not me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interested <laughs> no. in that. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, even camping as like a Boy Scout was a lot of fun. But a week camping was a long time, and that was having all of the equipment and yeah, everything. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't imagine even being that starved that you would eat a raw, you know, whatever you could find, or oh, I don't know. Yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have where they. Yeah. I mean, when they can't find any nutritious food, where they can scrape stuff off of rocks, and it's like, well, it's some calories, but it's not any yeah. nutrition and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, the next one I want to talk about is not nearly as high stakes as that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a show I really enjoyed called Undercover Boss. Oh, yeah. Oh. I forgot about that. That's a great one. Yeah, Dad liked that one, too. It's a really good one. I really like it. The uh, The premise of the show, if you haven't seen it, is that you have the boss of a company, whether it's like a CEO or like high-level management or some somebody who's high up in a company who will go undercover in their own company and like pose as a new employee or something like that. They, they use a different name, fake backstory of whatever, and they work at their own company. And, you know, other employees are told like, oh, this is like a documentary or it's like a study that's going on or whatever to explain the cameras and stuff. But it's always so fascinating to see what these bosses learn going undercover in their own companies. So so often they, you know, meet with employees and they learn things like, oh, all my employees are frustrated by this thing. Or, you know, this guy is really going above and beyond and has these like personal struggles that they're they're having to deal with while working here. Or boy, this employee is a real slacker or or is is meet rude to customers or whatever. There's 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 so many different things they they learn. And then at the end of each episode, the boss reveals their their true identity and meets with a lot of these employees that they've met. And in a lot of cases, you know, if, if it was somebody who was a really great employee, they'll, you know, kind of commend them on doing such a good job and maybe give them some sort of prize. Like, hey, you know, we, I really appreciate all you're doing for our company. We're going to give you a paid vacation or we're going to give you a bonus for help with whatever. And then the, the employees that are not so good get a reprimand. Or in there was one case I even saw where this guy, the, the boss was like, this is not a good fit for you. So uh, we're going to see you later and fired the guy. 
<laughs> but it's 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 so fascinating to see the the interaction and and cool also to see that you know sometimes there is like a big disconnect between like you know upper management CEOs whatever and like the people who are actually like on the ground doing the work in in a company and it's cool to see kind of that eye opening of like oh I didn't realize my employees had to deal with this and that we're going to make some changes or or whatever just that eye opening thing and you know makes me wish some of my bosses had come down and see my work but <laughs> we're not going to get into that but yeah a really really fascinating show I, I, it's such a great idea too and and uh, yeah fun seeing them go undercover to to learn some stuff yeah i was going to say our neighbor he had dad come to his work a couple of weeks ago and there were he had dad had to try to get into a couple of different areas he works in like a big it's almost like a factory type thing, but the, they assemble all these products. And so uh, there were a couple areas that they stopped dad right away, but there was one that he got right in and somebody was like, can I help you? And so, but it helped the, I guess it helped the company to know, you know, how to have more security. Oh, wow. I'm glad dad didn't get arrested. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, did, he didn't get thrown in jail. So I'm yeah. glad for that. Yeah. But anyways, that sounds like a great idea. I think every company should have an undercover boss that probably makes them more successful. Yeah. I feel like that would be a really good thing for bosses to get an idea of what all the workers are going through because yeah. there oftentimes is a disconnect. And, and That's uh, right. Just being able to get get in there and see the the show typically lasts about a week. Each episode mm-hmm. is a, a week of the boss being undercover working at a job. And uh, yeah, we should make that a regular thing. <laughs> I would like that. It's that show. You never know what direction it's going to go. I think I saw one where the undercover boss was let go or something like that too. You know, <laughs> trying to remember what it was, or, or the guy was trying to get rid of him because he wasn't a very good forklift driver, but he was driving safely, right? Or Whatever it was, but, but I would say that that's one of the reality shows out there that is a is a feel good show, no matter which way it goes. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely funny moments, and there's times where it like yeah. you know get brings a tear to your eyes, very touching or whatever. So it's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it builds empathy. I think whether it's the boss down or up towards the boss, or for just how you treat your customers or how you treat your your coworkers or yeah whatever, and just all these ways of just remembering that. That we're all human. And anyway, that's, yeah, I, I'll have to watch more of that one. I've, for whatever reason, that's one that I used to watch on flights. Maybe it was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had that limited number of channels and, and it was, uh, it was that and Shark Tank for whatever reason. Those were the oh. two shows I watched. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Uh, what about you, mom? What do you have for us? Well, so I, I did have American Idol and it might fall in a couple different categories, but it does. It does uh, send somebody home each week, and it, <laughs> you know, uh, the one reason I kind of like that is it is real. You know, did you know it started? The first year was two thousand two, oh, and wow. it said ten thousand people auditioned. And do you know who the very first winner was? It was Kelly Clarkson, wasn't uh, Kelly Clarkson? Kelly yeah. Clarkson yeah. was That's the, right. yeah, the first. Kelly wow. Clarkson, and then so then the fourth winner. Those the Kelly Clarkson and this gal were probably the biggest winners, uh, Carrie Underwood, and you know she uh, was reading that it said shortly right after she had uh, three Grammys and then the next uh, couple of years she ended up with five. I remember when she first came on, she just was a little country girl, and you know they just wear in the beginning they just wore their own clothes and did their own hair, and it was just some natural talent. But I looked up who the most successful non-winners were. Did you know Jennifer Hudson was seventh? 
She was seventh runner-up, and now she has, you know, she's doing the show in the Ellen DeGeneres showroom over there, isn't she, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. But the year after, she won a Tony Award for doing a show on Broadway. Thought wow. it was Dream Girls. So she, but she was the seventh runner-up, and she did really well. Another one of the um, successful non-winners was Adam Lambert, and he oh, was right. yeah. he was a second, but. Now, did you know he performs with Queen? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, when we went to see uh, Wicked, he was actually in the cast, Aaron. we I remember looking back at the playbill, and he was... Actually, I forgot the part he played, but... So he was doing a few things, you know, before he was on American Idol, but... I thought that was a fun show, and I also... One, re- one thing I liked about that is maybe they weren't... Uh, well, they let somebody go each week, you know, and or even more than one. But the judges were, I really liked the judges. It started out with Mick Jagger and uh, Jennifer Lopez and Randy Jackson. Do you remember those three? That's right. Then it went on to Paula Abdul and Simon Cowell. Oh, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Simon. <laughs> he was so mean. <laughs> he was mean. He didn't hold back. If somebody wasn't good, he would, He. Uh, I don't know. That's not the one. I guess it's now, what is the show he's... America's got, America's, America's got talent. Got talent. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And so now they have a buzzer. If some, if an act is bad, he just buzzes them, and the other people are like, "No, they're not that bad," <laughs> and they just have to leave the stage. Oh man! But even Ellen DeGeneres actually uh, was one of the judges for one of the seasons, and then they had Harry Connick Jr., Keith Urban, and now they have uh, Lionel Richie and. and Katy Perry and Luke Bryant. And I, I, the one I watched just a few weeks ago, sometimes, you know, now they try to be a little more dramatic, but they're still just everyday people. There was this kid that went in there and they showed a little video clip of uh, when he was in elementary school and said how they called him and his brother down to the office and said that they were their mother was going to jail and they were both going to be put into foster care. And uh, then... Uh, he said that he, they were in foster care, and when he got out, he was a couple years older than his brother and sister, that he was 18, so he took the brother and sister and raised them until they were 18. Anyways, he was a really good singer, and pretty soon you see the judges all teary-eyed, and they said, well, you're going through, and he said, I just can't wait to tell my brother and sister. And usually, you know, there's moms waiting out there for them, and they're all cheering and everybody, and Anyways, I just like seeing everyday people getting a fair chance to go and audition. You know, not everybody can have pay for music lessons or, you know, from the time they're little. And there's some real natural talent out there. So yeah. anyways, I like, I just kind of like watching that. And and uh, I like the, the advice the judges will give them. Sometimes they'll be like, you just need to be more confident or you need to, you know, there are a couple pitchy parts there. I want you to practice. And anyways, so that's one yeah. that I like. Yeah, American Idol is on my my list as well. And I, I haven't watched a lot of the later seasons. I watched a lot of the early ones. But yeah, that was one thing that was always so much fun is that, and and, and also, Mom, every list that I looked up called it a reality competition series. So it's uh, definitely... Definitely oh. counts. Don't worry about that. Um, okay. But yeah, it it the and especially in the early seasons, it was people who just like maybe they did perform like on weekends or play at the local bar and stuff. But like, you know, it wasn't they weren't professionals trying to find find more exposure. They were just.
just like people and it was really cool to see and yeah and yeah it was always interesting seeing uh the contestants especially the finalists it wasn't always the winner who went on to be the biggest name i mean yeah. uh you know there's there's a lot of people i don't know if you remember uh it was like the fourth or fifth season uh you remember chris daughtry the yeah. he was like the the, oh, the yeah. really rock yeah. and roll singer he was so good and he was like he came in like fourth he didn't even mm. make the top three but then he had like a bunch of radio hits with his band and it was so good david archuleta was runner-up on on one yeah. of the seasons and he had some he has a lot of yeah. good music that came out so yeah, yeah i i really have enjoyed that show and it's also been fun to see like the different themes they'll have It'll be like you know this this week is all beatles songs or or this week is all uh you know songs from movies or whatever whatever the theme is and uh seeing how everybody uh, picks songs that kind of play to their strengths. You know, there was one guy who was like all soul, soulful stuff and everything he did was very, you know, Joe Cocker-ish and then somebody else who was country and somebody else who was pop. And it was it was always fun seeing the variety. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Remember old Scotty McCreary? I think he was only 16. Yeah, was, he was, he had like the really deep, country yeah. voice right <laughs> he, looked, he looked like this he was he we was this young kid and every time yeah. his mouth was like oh you know uh, yeah. <laughs> i can't even do yeah. it it was so good though he was great yeah. yeah i think he's still successful doing lots of concerts yeah the one i watched either last week or the week before luke bryant had a huge sold out concert and the top eight or whatever got to go with him, got to go backstage. They went in his trailer, motorhome, you know, and had a little meeting. And all of those kids were like, yeah, this is what I want to do. But he's like, well, it hasn't always been like this. I had to play a lot of bars and, you know, I didn't have enough money for food and blah, blah, blah. And so anyways, I think it's, I think there's some good advice that they give them. And I think there's some real talent out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And and how did it work again? I know there were the judges, but it was the decision always made by like America votes. I remember there was some texting in thing that you could do. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you get to the final rounds. I feel like there were early rounds where it was judges choice or there were like mm-hmm. groups that got out. But when you got down to the final few, yeah, it was like after the episode, there was like a number you could call or text or whatever and vote for your your favorites. And they were fan votes to for who, who went on for the final rounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I just, I think that aspect of it was kind of fun i'm it probably wasn't the first show to do something like that but it was kind of i don't know it was kind of cool this idea that yeah there were judges there but in the end everybody who texted and called is who who got their voice out there which in some cases maybe is why the winner Mm -hmm. you know was really liked in some way but really didn't didn't have everything for the ideal career path like somebody who came in fourth or seventh or something like that. Right. I think like Scotty McCreary probably had his whole high school back in Texas calling in you know versus (laughs) Well I remember calling in. I I remember watching especially when it got down to the finals and there were some of those big seasons we were all watching and I remember Mm -hmm. it was like I can't remember the lines were open for like a few hours or something after the episode aired and uh, I remember calling in and making our votes for those last few rounds or whatever. It was exciting. Yeah. Yeah that was fun. Well, again, I'm taking quite a turn in <laughs> <on> our reality <laughs> shows. Uh, this next one, I don't, I don't have a ton to talk about, but I have to, I have to talk about it a little bit. It's a show called The First Forty Eight, and what The First Forty Eight refers to is the idea that after a homicide, that if you don't have a strong suspect 
or lead in the first 48 hours, then the chances of ever solving the the crime just drop off a ton. Mm. And so it's this show where they follow around the detectives and it's for cable TV. So it's not too gory or anything, but basically this kind of this mad dash over those first 48 hours between the crime scene and getting people in to question them or calling people and stuff like that. Just, as soon as possible. And it's been going for a long time as 23 seasons. Oh, wow. wow. But the main reason that we, my wife and I, enjoy watching it is a fair amount of the episodes happen in Dallas, Texas, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is, for those of you who don't know, the city that I lived in for, for four-ish years. Yeah. <laughs> and so we'd be like, hey, that's kind of by that really good restaurant or whatever. <laughs> That's funny. And, oh, man. That was just because we lived in Dallas proper. I, I was working at different locations, and so we didn't want a long commute. And, yeah, anyway, we recognized so many places from that, even down to the same group of apartment complexes that we were in. Not our apartment complex, but another one that was maybe a quarter mile away. We're like, hey, I think that's the place that we walk by. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Oh, that's funny. So, anyway, it, it was funny is we never we never were in a situation as long as we lived there that we ever felt like we were in danger and so maybe that's what made it fun is that is that it was like <laughs> oh wow <laughs> you know look at that and, you know there funny. was nobody that we ever knew personally but but that was the main reason i mean it's kind of an interesting show each episode they do i think three different cities normally but for whatever reason the seasons we watched had a lot of dallas in them. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that you bring that up because dad and i used to watch cops quite a bit and they were all in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, whenever there was a cops episode in Vegas, we'd always be like, oh, I know where that is. Or you and dad especially would yes. be like, oh, that's such and such street. We know that area. There was one. It was like right in our backyard. And we were like, that was around the corner. And there was a mob boss that someone got in their car and it just exploded. And we're like, what? Oh, my goodness. Man. That is kind of freaky to see your neighborhood and see the crime that actually happened happened there yeah <laughs> uh, oh boy well taking another swing back from that sean another one i want to talk about is a show called love it or list it i don't know if you guys watch much hgtv it's a lot of you know house home improvement uh home oh. shopping that sort of thing yeah that's right i i really like those shows they sort of make me depressed now that i uh you know have bought a house in la and how insanely expensive it is and you see these like shows like house hunters where they're buying homes and i don't know where in the midwest and they're like oh it's only five beds and we really didn't want to spend more than 200,000 and I'm like oh my gosh are you kidding me well and you look at you watch the older seasons too right so yeah oh yeah and I'm like you know our budget's only a million we want to buy an island you know like stuff like that and I'm like oh my gosh Anyway, but the, but I really enjoy this show, Love It or List It. It's on HGTV. It's been going for 18 seasons. I was trying to find out details if it if it paused or if they if they went on hiatus or if it actually ended because of COVID. It says the show is still active, but the last season was in 2021. So I, I don't know the details. Anyway, the idea of the show is that it always focuses on uh, a family who has a house that they are deciding if they want to either do renovations to the house to get them where they what they want or move to a new home. Uh, a lot of times it's like, you know, our, we're, we're kind of cramped, we need more space, or we don't like the layout, we want it more open, or we we need a better office for home, home work situation, whatever, whatever the situation is. And the two hosts of the show, Hillary and David, Hillary is a uh, interior designer, 
and uh, will come up with ideas for doing home renovations. And David is a real estate agent who finds other homes to uh, kind of sell the the family on that could be a good fit for them. And every episode is 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 the exact same format. You know, HGTV like they the shows may be a little bit repetitive, but they find what works, and this show really does work well. And so it's always fun to see how uh, what what the family ends up choosing. There's always, of course, the dramatic aspect of like we're trying to find a home that has this this and this and this, but trying to find it fit it in our budget. Whenever they're doing home renovations, uh, as anyone who owns a home <laughs> knows, like you go into any project and instantly there are problems. You know, they That's right, try yeah. to open up a wall. Oh no, this this we need a pillar here, or you need a beam there, or there's a pipe, or there's a electrical. There's a there's always a snag. <laughs> Whatever the the, the plan never yeah. goes smoothly, and then. So they do the home renovation, they, they make whatever change, and then they get to the end of the episode and they're like, all right, do you, are you going to love it and stay in your home with this renovation or are you going to list your home and go buy a new place? And uh, it's always interesting seeing what they choose. But it's one of those shows that I, I enjoy watching because it also gives me a lot of ideas, especially now that I own a home, uh, watching it and thinking like, oh, that's cool. Like we bought our house and instantly we're thinking of all these projects we could do. And so it's kind of fun watching a show like this and uh, getting ideas of, oh, we could open up this wall or we could expand this thing or or whatever and uh it's it's a it's a fun show and uh, like i said hgtv they they really know the formula to to make their shows and the, <laughs> there's lots of there's lots of these shows that have the exact same formula and they go on for a million seasons but you know when they get it right they get it right and this show has always been entertaining for me to watch it's a fun one i've seen a few of those and and it's fun when you kind of disagree it's like oh no come on that's a that's amazing yeah. why would you walk away from that yeah exactly i'm like are you kidding they this is such a cool thing and in fact a lot of times back when back when Stephanie and I used to watch some of it together we'd kind of we'd guess we'd try and anticipate like oh which one are they going to do which one are they going to go for yeah so it was fun so what's funny is I'm the exact opposite of you though which is I really enjoyed watching them when I when we rented and then now that we own a place I'm like no 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 more projects no no (laughs) oh look what about these built-ins no no we don't have built-ins you know like I just kind of grumble. So. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> More work. That's funny. See, my problem is just like having the money to pay for all of it. It's like, oh, we have all these grand ideas. It's like, oh, but we spent all our money on the house. <laughs> Where's this money going to come from yeah. for renovations? So, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> future future projects. There's a lot of future projects go. on our list. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm going to have to look at that one. I have a finally have a little money to do a project, and I just can't decide. <laughs> <laughs> what to do first or I went to Home Depot the other day just to look at kitchen cupboards and I was like what there's 5,000 choices for knobs or for the <laughs> I was like and this all these colors and I just walked out of there thinking no way so that's why I'd do better just to buy a house and take what I get it's <laughs> <laughs> so house. funny because so I've talked to some people who really like the idea of building their dream home and as they talk through it and they've gone through and they have to make all these decisions I feel like I would end up shortchanging myself. I'd be like, ah, no, I can't justify the extra money for that. But when you buy the house and it has that feature in it and you're not thinking about how much that one feature cost or whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, I love this, you know? Like, yeah. like, for example, I have a vaulted ceiling in the living room and it's really nice. And there's no way that if I had the choice of paying for one um, by itself that I would ever be able to justify paying for it, right? But it's yeah. really nice having it. That's funny. Yeah, that's nice. I'm going to have to watch that. There's a couple of fix-it, fixer-up home shows that are really fun. Well, do you have any others you want to... 
share with us, Mom, or should we wrap it up? Well, we can wrap it up. I just have no, well, I'll do one more. You got actually, it pulled yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You got one more. It's just a silly, guilty do pleasure, it. but and you can even cut it out. But I do like to watch The Bachelor. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, somebody, somebody had to share it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest but, reality shows of yeah, all time. I, I have never seen an episode, but it's so hugely uh, popular. Please talk about it. But the thing it. is, guess what? One reason I like to watch that one versus The Bachelorette is I'm just appalled at how mean and catty the girls are to each other <laughs> in the background. Oh, just, no. Anyways, you know that show? Maybe that's why I like that one. I like the train wreck portions, right? I like the first episode where they come and it's really awkward. They I are. like when they, they have stinkers. to make the decision. The, uh, yeah, the whole romance piece, I don't know about, but the uh, train yeah, wrecks buddy. are superb. Well, do you know it's been out since 2002? Oh, and wow. so listen to this. What's that? 21 years? I Googled. There's four couples still together. Oh, no. Out that's of, not a but, good record. That's better than... But only three of them are married. <laughs> and listen to this. Two of the winners returned to the runner-up. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Wow. Now, that one couple is married, happily married, and has three children. And so, anyways, I was like, I, in fact, like the last season, I was like, oh, brother, those two aren't going to stay together, you know? And they always, this is what they do. They pick out the ring, they propose, and then they're like, well, she lives in Texas and I live in Maryland. And so we're just going to, you know, go see each other a few times a month. And, you know, that's never going to work. And they're <laughs> opposites. So I'm I'd just, love to have you on there and just be like, oh, what do you think about yeah. that? That's never going to work. <laughs> no, it's silly. I guess I just like to watch it to complain. But anyways, and I just can't believe how mean those girls are. But, you know, I wonder if anybody, the romantic places, they're in, you know, all these awesome places and the dates and the clothes and everything, who wouldn't, you know, fall in love? But some, and it doesn't take long before the girls were like, oh, could I have a minute with you? And they're like, did you know so-and-so did this last night? And she said this about you. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm going to have to talk with her. I'm like, oh boy. Anyways, that's just sometimes I like to see if the people would pick the same people I would pick or if anyways, I, I'm it is it is interesting. So I I yeah, I've never watched a season every minute of it. I feel like I have to say that to preserve my dignity. But yeah. but but the pieces I have watched, there are some really fascinating aspects, like this idea of, I don't know, sometimes sometimes when it comes down to the end, it's not like they're choosing from two very similar people. They end up choosing from two very, very different people. And just this idea of people trying to figure out what they want and this idea that uh, you know, it kind of sets it up based on how the show has to work, right? That they have to, they're on a timeline, they have to pick a certain number of people, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I find it interesting, kind of the psychology in some ways, right? That it's not, again, it's not like you have this imagined perfect person and the person who's fitting closest into that mold. It's just all these different things and humans yeah. are complex and messy and it's yeah. just anyway captured there. Yeah. It's always fascinating to me too as an old person now when they take the, they get three of them that they take them home to visit the family and every time you see those parents, well, how do I know you really love my daughter? What is it? You know, they're just so defensive and the, and the siblings and they're like, "Can I talk to you a minute?" And you know, and 
the the family's never like, oh, he's the greatest guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's always drama. <laughs> yeah, but that's really funny. It is funny. You always hear about you know controversy of some of these reality shows of like how how often are things maybe potentially staged or you know or or even if it's yeah. not scripted, it's like well they put these two together and they did their research. They knew this person and this person would probably not get along, or maybe they gave them a lot of booze ahead of time to get them a little yeah. you know <laughs> looser to yeah. have arguments. So I get that there's an element of that in some of these some of those shows, but uh, it still makes for fun watching. <laughs> yeah, and this last this last one, the when there's down to two or three or whatever, they have the option to have an overnighter with them. And this guy just thought he was he seemed like he was a nice guy, and he thought he was being true and all. And he said to all three of them up up front, "Listen." You know, I'm I'm saving myself for my wife. We're not gonna we're not gonna be having the overnighter. Well, on one of them, he slipped up, and they did have an overnighter, <laughs> and then he felt so terrible. And so the next day, he first thing he does is he tells the girl, the new girl, he says, "I got to be honest with you. I'm so sorry, but I slipped up." She was a nurse. She seemed like she was really level headed, and she's she was bugged, and she was like, "To tell you the truth, I figured, you know, I know about the show and the overnighters. I could have done without hearing." the details about that, you know, and she was so irritated with them. She said, I think I'm just, I want to go home. And she almost did go home and then she stayed and anyways, but I'm like, what? on earth. It's just so <laughs> ridiculous that Dad's like, what are you watching? <laughs> I said, quiet. Is this the good part? <laughs> the good part. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway. I love it. <laughs> Well, I guess that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. This was a fun discussion. I'm, I uh, even though I don't watch a lot of reality, I feel like we we still had plenty of good stuff to cover here. And this was this is kind of a fun discussion. Mom, thanks again for joining in. Especially, I know it was kind of last minute to to let you know. I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm glad you could join. This was fun. Yeah, thanks. Always, always good to have you on the show. <laughs> As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com or look us up on Instagram at the Favorite Show Podcast. Let us know your favorite reality shows. There's so many out there. And uh, as I feel like I say this every week, but we barely scratch the surface. There's so many great shows out there. So let us know what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, it's probably because we didn't have the dramatic music going on as we were discussing oh, yes, these things. That's you right. Know, <laughs> we are a little confessional. I can't believe Sean brought up that show. I mean, what was he thinking? We weren't dramatic That's enough. Right. That's right. <laughs> well, I guess that'll do it until next week. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And Mom. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue <laughs> the music. <laughs>
Why do pawn shop shows have the best names? It's so, it's, yeah, it's a pawn shop in Detroit. And you could look them up on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. That's where you get all the best train rack things. Or or even their head of security ends up stealing from them and stuff. Anyway, it's wild. Going back to HGTV, I do like House Hunters. It's exciting and depressing all at the same time. (laughs) Exciting because the houses are cool and depressing because, oh, who buys houses for that kind of money? (laughs) Who can Uh, do this? I like the Masked Singer sometimes. Yeah. That's a fun one, yeah. Naked and Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> That's intense. <gasps> it's a survival show. They blur everything out, but they are definitely naked. Oh my goodness. This one is kind of a pseudo reality, but it's also a competition show. American Ninja Warrior was always yeah. a fun one to watch. And again, yeah. I'm watching this and I'm like, how are these people doing this? It's incredible. There was one called Songland. I don't think it's on anymore, but that was a really good oh, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a cool one. Married at first sight. They, they see each other for the first time as they're getting married. Wow. RuPaul's Drag Race. We can't have a discussion of these shows without dropping that one in there. Dancing with the Stars. Extreme Sisters. Oh, my word. Sean, you've got a, you've got a theme going here. I know. I like it. I, I get roped in. What can I say? Clarkson's Farm. Have you ever seen Clarkson's Farm? No. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear and Grand Tour. Oh. He's just, he's such an idiot, <laughs> but he's got a farm and it's its ridiculous. I had the voice, but <laughs> that's not Oh, I had the voice on my yeah, list too. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. I have Chopped, which also had spinoffs, Cooks versus Cons, and similarly, Fakers versus Bakers. The only other one I had on my list was Property Brothers, which again, you know, HDTV, house and renovations and stuff. It's, uh, it's always interesting to see stuff like that. Oh, I actually did have one. It's called Is It Cake? Oh, that's a cool oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, that was really fun. Those ones blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, me too. Let's see. I've got Holiday Baking Championship, Hoarders. Escaping polygamy and blown away. Nice. Very good I didn't realize job. I had that many. Yeah, good job. <laughs> That's well a good done. list. I'm gonna have to check out some of those. 